0: all of those expectations that we had were were not met and you know you talk about when expectations in life um we all sort of have a, a dream as you put it and as i had mentioned and when that doesn't come to fruition whatever that dream may be we deal with the emotions around that so we deal with the disappointment and in my case it was it was a It was pure grief is what we were dealing with because we really didn't know what to expect after they were born. They were born prematurely. And then at three and a half weeks was when we got the diagnosis that one of our daughters was, uh, she had a brain injury, probably from the birth, and she would have physical
1: disabilities and they weren't sure what the extent of them would be. Welcome to the Persistence You podcast with Lizbeth, and that's you as in university. But we're much more of a community here. I'm your host, Lizbeth Meredith, author, speaker, and online teacher. Each week, I'll be delivering stories from amazing survivors and strivers, all threaded together with a dose of persistence. So glad you're listening. I hope you're having a fabulous week. I just finished a long weekend, and I was so fortunate to get to make a drive to see my family, some of my family in Kentucky. Well, one of my nieces graduated high school. I remember when she was a tiny baby. I lived in Alaska. They live in Kentucky, and I remember thinking, I'm going to miss out on all their life's events and never have that connection with extended family as someone who didn't meet my extended family, a lot of them, until I was in my 20s, 30s, and 40s. And so I thought about it on the way to the graduation. Like, sometimes we forget that we are living at least a small sliver of our dream. You know, making that drive and getting to go to a graduation from a family member that used to it was an impossibility. So it was very, very sweet and poignant. Anyhow, this episode is... With Deborah Koval Fletcher, and I am so grateful that I got to meet her months ago. So this episode, as you listen to it, was recorded. I believe it was recorded in February, but her message is evergreen on allowing grief and joy to go coexist peacefully together, and how do we navigate our disappointments? while still making space for great things in the middle of grief. Thank you to my patrons for showing up, some of them, and coming to the How to Get Started Writing Your Own story this weekend. As a reminder, these workshops are nested inside my patron page. Being a patron means for $2 or $5 or whatever you choose a month, Above that, um, you can get access to classes I teach and a little Q&A each month. So we have how to leverage your love of reading books into a side hustle. That was the first workshop available on video. And now we have the one on getting started writing your book, the benefits of writing memoir, and ways to avoid the pitfalls when you first begin Writing your own story, whether it's for legacy or publication or just for the healing journey. Thanks so much for being here as ever. And I think you're going to enjoy this week's episode very much. If you do, share it with a friend. Uh, feel free to become a patron if you are so inclined for two or five dollars a month and or give the podcast a rating. Appreciate you very, very much. Hello, hello, hello. And thank you for being here again at Persistence You Podcast. Of course, you know by now that we are on YouTube in the last many episodes, just as we are on audio wherever you listen to your podcast. So thank you so much. I know your time is a gift and it's one that I don't take for granted. Today, we're going to hear from, in just a moment, Deborah Koval Fletcher. Who is now an adult educator, a speaker, and a mom of twin daughters. She also works as a realtor, and it kind of feeds her obsession with snooping around in other people's homes, which I think sounds like pretty much fun. As a busy mom and advocate for her daughter who lives with multiple disabilities, Deb found the time to jot down stories, lessons learned, and inadvertent observations, most which found their way into her book finding your hey, H-E-Y. Anyhow, I'm really looking forward to hearing how this journey began for Deb from being a mom to a disabilities advocate and then an author. In other news, it will be Women's History Month soon. By the time this airs, Uh, today's date is in fact, February 20th, but by the time this airs, maybe it'll already be in April. What I'm looking forward to is speaking at a few women's history events. If you have need at your college or at your nonprofit for a professional speaker, do consider me. I've got a speaker reel at my website at lameredith.com. I'm also looking forward to In April, speaking at the Tennessee Fitness Spa again, and thank you so much, Carol Krein, my friend and her dear connections for making that dream happen. I love that spa. It's different than a foofy spa that you might be thinking of, but it's so beautiful in the gorgeous nature in Tennessee with healthy food, opportunities to exercise, and great chances to teach workshops and to attend workshops. So I'm really excited for that. Thanks for being here as ever. Feel free to join me if you're interested in supporting this podcast or my writing at my patreon page. find it in the show notes links or buy me a cup of coffee. That's a one-time little tip that you can give. Either way, no more than two to five dollars. Um, and just you being here is support enough. so please don't feel pressure. Love having you. We'll certainly adore having our guest in just a moment. Let me know what's new with you and what you're interested in hearing these days. Find me at lameredith.com or listen to the backlist of more than now 110 episodes. And thank you again. Deborah thank you so much for being here today and being my guest on Persistence You I am so happy to hear about your journey. Thank you for having me. I'm happy too. I'm really thrilled. I loved when I was reading your bio where you talked about I mean you're living the dream giving you know about to get have twins some years ago and then came a moment that you thought wow my dreams might be over or are they so can you tell right. us a little bit about that the listeners at persistence you who might not know you just yet
0: yes thank you for that intro yes i was indeed living uh, a dream um and i was rudely awoken if you can <laughs> if you can call it that so i was very happily married and i was pregnant unexpectedly with twins. It's something that can happen to anyone, apparently identical. It's not hereditary. So be careful out there. Um, (laughs) So, and I was, it was, you know, I was called a geriatric pregnancy at the time because I was 37. So it was a bit of a miracle. It did happen. And I was quite shocked to find out that it was twins. Twins. And at that time, I think I was 18 weeks pregnant. It was at the first ultrasound and the technician announced the news. I thought, um, you know what, now, now this is getting real. And so I was a little bit, I mean, we were absolutely astonished. We were excited. We were, we were thrilled. And I was laughing hysterically. I remember that. And then I asked well, what are they? Because I, I wasn't going to ask, actually. I wanted to be surprised by the birth, but I just, for some reason, I felt like I needed a little bit more information up front um, <laughs> since there were two in there. So they told us they were girls. So of course, that sets that expectation that, oh my goodness, two little girls, it's going to be so much fun. and And so that all, all of those expectations that we had were we're not met. And, you know, you talk about when expectations in life, um, we all sort of have a a dream, as you put it. And as I had mentioned, and when that doesn't come to fruition, whatever that dream may be, we deal with the emotions around that. So we deal with the disappointment. And in my case, it was, it was, it was pure grief is what we were dealing with, because. We really didn't know what to expect after they were born. They were born prematurely. And then at three and a half weeks was when we got the diagnosis that one of our daughters was, uh, she had a brain injury, probably from the birth, and she would have physical disabilities, and they weren't sure what the extent of them would be.
1: Oh, Wow. Yes. So you went from feeling like, wow, I got, you know, two daughters to, oh, my, you know, now what do I do this coming? Didn't see this coming.
0: Yes. And so it was the the grief really came from that loss of, okay, my life isn't going to be what I thought it was going to be. Right. Um, and I don't know how to do this. And so it was a lot of fear around what we were about to embark on. And, uh, that was, yeah, that was 23 and a half years ago. Um,
1: (laughs) It's so amazing because, you know, it it is the dream. So many parents want to have twins. I mean, it's like, wow, but like you said, then something happens unexpectedly and you wonder to yourself, how am I going to make it? And it's hard also when it's your child, because you don't want to say I'm disappointed, but on the other hand, you're, you don't know if you're prepared, so, right. it's you know, it's difficult. To, um, ha- what kind of support did you get outside well, of family and friends?
0: Yeah, it's interesting because you're right. I mean, it's not about being disappointed. Yeah. And it was more about not being prepared and not really knowing what the future held. And in terms of her life, I didn't know how that it would impact her So there was a lot of, there was a lot of grief around the uncertainty of that and there was no real definite prognosis. So we actually didn't know how disabled she would be probably until she was three or four. So we, we got an initial, yes, we got an initial uh, the brain ultrasound when they were three and a half weeks old told us, and then they were born and They were just both babies, you know, and we were both thrilled and terrified. And because they were premature, they stayed in the hospital for six weeks, three days and 12 hours after they were born. (laughs) And and so, of course, we were we were there, too. Um, And then when they were six months old, they went and had an assessment. And this is because they were born prematurely. We sort of had a follow up uh, consult and this particular doctor, they did a number of tests on both girls to see, you know, how they were both doing. And they determined then that my daughter Quinn was was born and had um, uh, the injury to her brain would result in severe disabilities. And so they they actually, this this doctor at the time actually said she would have a poor quality of life. Okay. And so we took that news and we were then devastated all over again because we had still been holding on to hope that she would be, you know, um, able to lead a fairly what we could call in air quotes, normal life. Right. Whatever that that is. Right. Whatever that is. Exactly. So that was not to be. And in fact, she is severely disabled. So she has no finer gross motor skills. She is in a wheelchair She's incontinent. She can't eat through her mouth. So she eats through a G-tube, a liquid formula through her stomach. Um, She's nonverbal. And she is just the most wonderful person. And, and, um, you know, I mean, that's a blanket statement, but she's a very happy young woman. Um, She has led a life that is not what I would call poor quality, Um, And her dad and I really put a lot of effort into that, as you could imagine. We, you know, we left that doctor's office and we were devastated. And then we, we got determined um, with maybe a, 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 you know, a side serving of, 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 you know, just anger. Um, we thought no, you know you you can't tell us that and we are not going to stand for that and she's going to have a wonderful life and and she has and so you know there was all of that to get through. So we didn't really know how this would all happen, but the support we had was from you know certainly as you said, family and friends, but the medical community so other than this, sort of a very isolated incident where a doctor gave such a negative prognosis, we have met the most amazing medical professionals. um, And I mean, from every, every type of, of, of level and um, service area. So we have met physicians and neurologists and surgeons and and wonderful nurses, and 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 occupational therapists, and physiotherapists, and speech and language pathologists, and the the list goes on and on. I have a, I've kept every business card, and I have a stack. It's about it's about three inches high. I just kept them all of the therapists yeah. that she's met, and um, you know, from every like social workers and and everything. And I can honestly say that we have loved every single one of them. This entire stack of of business cards is something that I look through every once in a while because of course we've grown through a pediatric system into now an adult system. She is 23 and a half. Oh. Um, so it has been a real it has been an amazing journey and I always did really feel well supported by it. So that was um an interesting education for me and Well, what I found most fascinating actually was right up front. So we were, um, there's a a pediatric rehab um, organization here in Toronto, and we became a a client when they were six months old. And the doctor that, uh, he was actually the chief of staff at the time, and he turned to us as the experts of our daughter. And he never sort of said, Here's what she won't be able to do, you know, and, and list them off. He said, We look to you as the experts and we're here to support you. And in fact, everyone that we ever met had that same attitude, which was really quite amazing. It wasn't just, oh, you know, you don't wear your pretty little heads, you know, we'll take care of her, or we've decided that, you know, we've looked at her and she's going to do this. It was just absolutely, here's, everything in the world open to you, how would you like to proceed? And that was actually a little bit scary at first, but it's also a very beautiful thing because they do it with absolute love and and empathy. And it really has been
1: an incredible experience. Oh, that's wonderful. Do you see some of those people from the past that worked with your daughter when she was a child? I, I do now and then. It's funny
0: that you asked that because, you know, so I wrote the book and I actually sent it to one of her primary physicians that we probably met her when my daughter was maybe a year old, maybe two years old at the most. And she was our primary physician at this rehab center right through till she was 18 when she, you know, she's no longer in the pedat pediatric system. And so I actually sent her a, a copy of the book and she um she just she loved it and and she loved to sort of get the 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 inside story because she knows our family and yet it, this was a bit more of an intimate view. So she was very supportive and and she actually asked um if I would be willing to talk to the uh the publisher of the of the newsletter out of this out of this uh rehab center that connects to families. And so she, you know, she, uh, connected me there. And I, I was had an article, you know, in that, in that publication, which was really nice as well.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. Did you meet other parents like in a parenting support group situation during your journey? Just curious because I love peer support groups. So yes. Was- that is something that was,
0: had a had profound impact. On us. So there was nothing that was, hmm, I'm going to, not nothing. I'll rephrase that. There were not as many formal support groups then as there are now. Okay. So that's getting better and better all the time. Having said that, we were connected through an organization. I believe you have it in the, in the U.S. as well, called Easter Seals. Yes. And yes. So we were connected to a number of families. The girls would have been about two, I think. And so we've met some amazing families that we are still, you know, friends and connected to. And when we're with these other families, there's a real feeling of just you know, we know each other and we know each other's stories and, and it's just very easy to be with other families that have gone through the same things that you have. And it's, so it's a, a sort of a special type of friendship for sure. And so that's been really, you know, uh, a huge part of not just emotional support, but we would, you know, pass on tips or, or, you know tricks that we had tried and and of course the medical community really supported that and encouraged that because we could discover some new technique that would work you know whether it be for sleeping or feeding or positioning or just making our children comfortable in general and we would then have this inside knowledge that could possibly work for another family for another child so we sort of did it in a very casual way. And, and now there's more structure around that. And they even have structure around supporting not just parents, but siblings, which I think is is another yeah. really, really necessary piece. Because as you can imagine, we had twins and one of them took up a lot of our time and energy and and... And emotion, you know, and so there's a very distinct impact on another child or or other siblings in the family. And I know that that um, my my other daughter Emma has talked to other siblings and and they've you know they've laughed about it, they've vented about it because it's it's really had a profound impact on their lives as well. So. Um, my daughters are very close and in fact Emma is is someone who has really embraced the community of people with disabilities and so she even went away for the summers and worked at a, a an Easter Seal summer camp so she was a camp counselor for for other kids with disabilities the and and her sister attends that camp as well so she's um you know, really embrace that community because it's something that she feels a real kinship with, obviously, you know, is that having grown up with right. a sister with multiple disabilities. Yeah.
1: And it would be easy to have a whole lot of sympathy for her and say, oh, it kind of washed out her life. And, and it certainly could take out, you know, she wouldn't get as maybe at times as much attention as if she were in a different circumstance, but that's not, that wouldn't then give Attention really to the fact that she has empathy, that she's learning so many different skills, that it's expanded her world, and she'll be a different and probably a much better person because of it. So that's really, really neat that she's been a part of that camp and that she can be really proud of that and support her sister and other people in similar circumstances.
0: Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. I mean, she would, you know, she would start. She would sort of make a joke about all of this. Um, because you know, she she uses humor as we do to um to make life a little easier, to make the challenges in life a little easier, and to to sort of offset any feelings of you know, guilt, resentment, that kind of thing. And so she's develop this really great sense of humor along with this, along with the empathy and um, which will serve her well, you know, because as we know, life is full of challenges. It's not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be, you know, that you achieve some level of, of happily ever after. Um, And so, you know, I wouldn't have chosen this for her, but she has, she has learned a lot of really, really important skills and and strategies and techniques that will serve her well throughout her
1: life, for sure. Oh, I think that's so terrific. What would you say, not just to expectant parents, but to people who have an image in their mind of what their dream looks like, and they're served a completely different set of circumstances as often, if not always happens to many of us, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that they get something far different and when you've been taught that oh if i just believe in my dreams and do all of the right things my choices will amount to this dream you know right. a plus b equals c and it's like no not at all you know you right. talk about having a dream and you thought the dream was over so what would you say to that younger self now that you've gone through it and done a lot of work and and are proud of your family
0: well. Well, that's that is the big question. You know, it's funny because in the beginning there was just so much uncertainty and a lot of a lot of grief, a lot of sadness. And I remember just saying to myself, why me, you know? Why her? And I think a lot of us do that when mm-hmm. when things get challenging, you know. We can say this isn't fair. And so eventually, I don't know, this voice in my head just said, well, why not you? You know, I, what, well, you know, it's not, there's, there's no certainty. And it's not that, you know, you live this, this life of, of being what you think is, is good. And, and there's this immediate reward. It doesn't work that way. Bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people, you know? So there, so, so to look at it, from that perspective of well this happened right there's no reason there's no um it's it's not about being fair or not this is just what we've been dealt with here okay so great we're over that and so now what do we do and it really is looking at coming to that acceptance that that state of um you know, not not trying to fight it anymore, not trying to um to change it, but to look at, okay, here's what it is and, and how can I make the best of it.
1: I love it. That's fantastic. What's the response been to your book? And why did you call it the the title that you did? So I'll well,
0: I'll answer that first. So it's called Finding Your Hay. And The book is really, it's, it's part memoir, but it's part sort of, I was, I was looking back and I thought, why, why am I a happy person? You know, why is, why do I consider life to be, despite all the challenges to be, um, you know, why do I feel like I have purpose and why do I feel? So, so I started to sort of think about how I, how I accomplished this. What was my journey? And so I looked to my dad first of all because my first real experience with with grief in and of itself actually was when I was 21 and he had a heart attack. And then nine days later he had a stroke. And he was only 46. Oh. So he survived. Yeah, he was 46 years old. He he survived. He he was still recovering in the hospital from the heart attack. And um he was experiencing some weird symptoms, but I don't know that it's just it just happened nine days later he woke up in the morning and um and he'd had a stroke so he lost his um ability to speak um lost a lot of his memory and his mental processing was impacted so with a stroke different parts of the brain can be affected physically he was completely unaffected by the stroke okay yeah it, it was really just the way that his brain worked so he got his speech back through two years of of speech therapy there was still a little bit of um you know we could tell that he was not you know speaking the same probably someone meeting him for the first time wouldn't be able to tell but uh, his and his memory, his short-term memory started to come back a little better as well. But he was never able to work in the career and in the job that he had worked in. Okay. So that part of his life was over, which, as you can imagine, would be pretty traumatic when you're only forty-six years old. Right. So he came through that with just grace and courage and positivity, and he lived to be eighty-two years old. And in the end, it was his heart that failed him, you know, it had, um, there had the damage had been done, but he lived a very full life golfed three days a week. And, you know, he was, he was a very happy person. So when he had the stroke, the, as soon as I heard about it, I phoned the hospital and he answered the phone and he was just unable to, I couldn't understand anything he was saying. So that was, That was pretty terrible when you, um, you know, you're 21 or I think I was 22 and, and this is my dad. And, and, um, so I was pretty devastated the next morning I went to the hospital to visit him and I don't know how he knew I was walking down the hall toward his room, but I'm, (laughs) I'm walking towards his room and all of a sudden he jumps out of his room and just lands like this arms outstretched and goes, Hey like big smile on his face. And, you know, he was doing that for me, obviously, because he knew that I was devastated and he wanted to, you know, in that word, which by the way, was the only word that I understood that day in that, in that visit at the hospital. um, Only word that I heard him say that I understood. um, You know, he was saying, it's okay, it's going to be okay, um, and reassuring me, but I, you know, I looked back on that, and I think it's also, you know, that's really epitomizing, for me, his whole attitude in responding to his new disability, was that just that attitude of, it's okay, it's all going to be okay, and I mean, that was an extreme thing that he did. Like to jump out into the hallway like that. It was, it was pretty amazing, right? So when I was first um struggling with coming to terms with having two babies and and one is going to have tremendous challenges in her life. And I thought about, you know, I've I've got to find my hay. You know, it's good, <laughs> I've got to, you know, somehow um. And I think that that's a message for everybody. You know, we have to find it within our, ourselves to find our purpose and to find a way to live a happy, joyful, fulfilling life, despite you know those those expectations not being met mm-hmm. um, and those disappointments. And so, so that's what I called the book. And in the book, I actually to to write. I also interviewed four friends of mine that had completely different. Um, grief stories to tell. So in the book, they share their story. And what's interesting is that I was able to pull different elements of their stories and tie them into mine in terms of, of, you know, tactics or strategies, or how do you get through things. And so it was, it was, it really worked out pretty well for sort of wrapping that up really nicely. And because of that, it does have a, a, a very universal appeal to anyone who finds themselves dealing with any kind of difficulty or challenge or or grief circumstances for that matter because it's not just about my story and my specific um, challenge it's really it's really about what we all go through in life and and uh, when our expectations aren't met
1: I love it. That is, it's a fabulous title, but a great backstory because, you know, it's absolutely okay and human to grieve that difference of what you thought was going to happen, but it, and then, you know, get back to, here was my expectation. Here was my reality. Now let's do this, you know, and find yeah. the gift inside it. And I love that when you mentioned, you know, all my dreams were shattered or were they? You know, and they weren't. They were changed. No, they, they were changed. Uh, I once wrote an essay myself called A Dream Revised. And that's all of life. That right. is all of life. We're constantly revising. I love that. And, and so anyway, I just think that is a terrific story. And thank you for sharing that. Where can we connect with you? Where can listeners connect with you and learn more about your work and your book?
0: Wow. I do have a website. It's deborahcovell.com. And I have the book of, is available on Amazon. So it's called Finding Your Hay and it's uh, available to
1: order right now. <laughs> yes, that is so fantastic. It just sounds amazing. And I've loved this time together. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I know it will make a great impact or is making a great impact in the world. And thank you. Thank you so much. I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed it, feel free to leave a review. And if you've really, really enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe. And I'll see you next week.
0: Proud member of the Podnooga Network.